0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to Looking Ahead to Beto Days. I am Chris, and I'm Ryan and we have a brand new kind of thing we're we're starting here at looking ahead to Beto days and that is we're going to start having guest hosts get guest hosts guest hosts that uh, come on and they kind of hang out and talk about all that yeah i promise i can talk
1: <laughs> no, it's okay <laughs> i
0: know I, I suck real bad at it sometimes i, I can i can recover so we're starting this new initiative here, and we're going to go ahead and introduce our um, first guest host. Um, we have brought on Charlie Hodges.
2: How are we doing, Charlie? I am doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing
0: just fine. Um, so, Charlie, Charlie tell us don't... a little bit about yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm an Iowan. Uh, be kind.
3: <laughs> are are not my
2: fault i promise you um no i've uh i i got uh fairly heavily heavily involved volunteering for bedos campaign uh, mm-hmm. here in iowa um and then i actually threw my hat in the ring and uh and ran for it ran in the primary for the iowa state senate um, in district 20. i have since withdrawn uh, just because the the support for my primary primary opponent is is really really solid mm-hmm. um i just wasn't making any headway with people and i have a lot of other things that i can be doing other candidates i can be pushing um you know and just many other things that I can be doing rather than kind of beating my head against the wall. So that that mm-hmm. chapter has ended, but uh, definitely uh, keeping up with my activism to make sure that we have the blue wave in 2020. So, so Charlie, mm-hmm. if, if people don't remember us uh, on mm-hmm. our uh, Steak Fry episode, he came on and talked
1: to us about caucusing. He's also, uh, he, he undersells some of his, uh, what he did with the, uh, for Beto. Um, he was, he's actually one of the original Beto Road Warriors. He, he, he out there uh, constantly doing a lot of good work for a lot of different causes. So, uh, you know, in typical Iowa fashion, he, he you know, undersells himself, but, um, <laughs> you know, don't let, him, don't let him sell himself short. He He's a good guy. Uh, a lot of people in the, you know, better universe know him and know him well. And, you know, thanks so much for coming on, Troy. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks yeah. for yeah. hanging out. Like, I, yeah. I kind of like this idea. You know this whole guest host thing. Let's let's yeah. get right into it. So, so you're from Iowa.
2: Yeah, yeah. You speak guys to again, us about speak. Iowa. Speak to I, I us. Say, you, you, you guys probably don't want to talk about the caucus, do you? <laughs>
1: do Not you, at all. <laughs> you look, you know <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this because we talked about the caucus process um,
2: beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. Who did you end up caucusing for, actually? Um, I actually served as a precinct captain for Joe Biden. So Um, what does that mean, you're a precinct
1: captain for that?
2: Um, what it essentially means is that I worked. I worked with the campaign, and there mm-hmm. were, we actually had several of them in uh, uh, precinct captains in our particular precinct. But mm-hmm. essentially, what the precinct captain does is when people come in after they register, it's kind of cat herding. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you make sure that you have all of your people kind of gathered, in, you know, in one place so that when uh, then when you start uh, tabulating the results. Um, in the in, in the first round that you, that you have your your people word you know where, where you can easily access them so they don't wander off and then um and then from there uh, it's a, it if they're undecided voters you go talk to un, the undecided voters you know kind of see where they're at see mm-hmm. if they'd be interested in um in in joining up with uh, with, with your candidate you're you know you're, you're responsible for you know the um the, the the vote tabulation within your group and you know getting all of those the, those recorded and you know I mean so basically you're just you're you're just kind of like the the, the mini manager for your campaign sure. that particular sure. process
1: so yeah. I was watching uh, a little bit on CNN and they they set up on now I'll admit I turned off pretty early in the evening mm-hmm. uh, I, once I, I I didn't really watch to the end but. They were showing big college campuses, and they were in big gymnasiums. It looks like just, you know, ble- basically they were counting rows of bleachers. Um, yep. How was what was your particular precinct like? Where was uh,
2: where was it held, and what
1: was the room and environment like there?
2: Yeah, um, ours was actually in um, in a middle school uh, gymnasium, and okay. one one side one once had 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 bleachers pulled out. The other side didn't, and mm-hmm. it, like um, on on our the side that we were on, like there were there was one section that were, you know it was kind of loosely the like five people that were there for Steyer, and then you know <laughs> us, and then and then Amy had a group, uh, Liz had a group, and then and then there were a bunch of people, you know, I'd, on the on the floor, but in the corner, but. It, but yeah it was it was in the gym and people just kind of collected along the edges of the gym and then the, okay this the center was kind of left, uh, left free range. <laughs> so.
0: it's, it's where you corral them and bring them on in. Like I, I, I was I watched some of the caucuses on CNN, um, and all I could think of was like, what the fuck is, what are they doing? I didn't understand. And <laughs> no. you saying it's it's like herding cats made so much sense to me. I was like, oh, it makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah, and yeah. get it. Yeah, I, 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 and all I could, and this is just me being an idiot, um, all I could think of, you know, if they can do it this way, why don't we just, you know, LARP the whole thing? <laughs> like, for those of you who don't know what LARPing is, yeah, yeah, live yeah, action role action. playing, we just <laughs> yep. get, every candidate gets all of their supporters and we find a big ass field. And we all get <laughs> in our LARP gear and whoever is the last man standing, that's it. That's how we pick. That's what I took from the, from the Iowa caucuses is, is LARP voting.
3: I actually,
2: I, I actually think that it should all come down to arm wrestling. But, you know, I mean, LARPing, <laughs> arm wrestling, you know, it's, it's like, you know, that would be a great way to decide. Well, you know, and I mean, in, in, in case of a tie, there's the super democratic uh, coin flip. Too. Yeah. I, I mean, saw yeah. that. So, so you may as well arm wrestle. You know, I mean, it, it's just as yeah. good of a. Uh, it's, it's almost as fair as a <laughs> coin flip where the coin doesn't move. <laughs> right. You know, right. It's, 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 it all works out that way. Well. So how with, did. It, with how Iowa... did it,
1: I'm sorry. I was just curious. So how did. Uh, so you said you caucus for Biden. How did they actually. How'd y'all actually end up doing at your precinct? And how did it. How did the count end up going?
2: yeah um the way it ended ended up um after the we when we did the first alignment which is basically everybody gathers in their groups you do mm-hmm. a count and then um we had we had 9 um, delegate equivalents available in our precinct. So what, what they do is they basically break that down and f- because of that number the percent for viability was 15% uh, to be viable. So mm-hmm. so everybody collected initially they went through and did a count of what each candidate had and, mm-hmm. then, and then at the end of that um, Steyer was not viable um, Yang was not viable and Bernie was not viable. Really? Um, it, and then, you know, obviously, like, Bennett and Tulsi and stuff. I mean, they didn't even have people there. So mm-hmm. it, so, then, so then after that first alignment, then what happens is the non-viable groups have the option of going to a different candidate or they can actually try to form a viable group amongst themselves. And so what actually happened at our precinct is the Steyer and Yang people... Mm-hmm. tried to grab the bernie supporters and they tried to form a, a viable group to declare as as undecided because you can actually have an undecided delegate equivalent mm. if you if you do it that way that that actually did not they didn't have enough to be able to do that so then they so then you know there were some of the bernie supporters that just left <laughs> and didn't and didn't realign with anybody um that I, I talked to several bernie people that promptly turned their backs on me <laughs> and um hmm. and no. said unequivocally i that's will not brutal. be going with biden and you know i'll i'll let you infer from that what you will um hmm. and, uh, and that's then, very you know, uh, the, atypical of, of uh, the people i've
1: met in iowa actually yeah, yeah I
2: yeah I mean, generally that that's not what you find in Iowa I mm-hmm. with the, their candidate I wasn't I was disappointed but not overly surprised mm-hmm. um but then uh, but then since they couldn't form um uh an actual viable group um you know they they either left and didn't uh, declare with anybody or they 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 went off to you know whatever other group we actually were able to get four or five um stire people to um, to to come over to joe and um and then anyway after after everybody you know did the thing of you know talking to people you know seeing if they'd be interested in coming to their candidate then everybody gathered back up they did a realignment count and then from that they determined how many delegate equivalents it'd be broken down into so um end of the day in my precinct pete got three joe got two amy got two and liz got two so it's so complicated yeah it was it 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 was actually broken you know it, it, it broken down You know, pretty equitably um, among the three, but but, yeah, I mean, you know, each of the, you know, each of the precincts is definitely its own animal, like, in our, in our precinct, you know, I mean, there, there's there's always a certain level of chaos just because of, you know, what it is with, with the caucus. But, you know, for a caucus, I, I, I felt like our precinct, our precinct was really well organized. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have heard stories that other precincts were not so organized, <laughs> and, you know, had, to, had problems, you know, getting the yeah, counts yeah, and the cards it. collected and stuff like that. So I thought, I thought our precinct, uh, you know, worked pretty well in that regard but uh but yeah it's it it's definitely you know and we'll see we'll we'll see what the future holds for the caucus um i think that um especially where You know, for this cycle, you know, Iowa actually made proposals to do telecaucusing and, you know, a number of different things to actually expand the amount of people that could caucus because, you know, some people, you know, elderly can't get out, you know, they're, you know, single moms that can't leave their kids and stuff like that. And, And the DNC, of course, shot that down, which, Perez is uh, conveniently forgetting um, that, <laughs> that, that he's actually one of the reasons that the turnout was down. But well, um, that
0: would have that would have fixed a lot of issues. Like yep. the, one of the arguments against the caucus is is voter suppression, mm-hmm. and being able to tell a commute to do that mm-hmm. would fix that problem.
2: And they, because Iowa had, I mean, they you know had a, had a proposal in place, you know, had you know, everything ready to go for it, and the DNC shot it down. So, so it's, there you it, go. I mean,
0: the DNC, who is not really, I mean, they're letting Iowa take the 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 the, the brunt of all oh, yeah. of the blame, mm-hmm. yep. is just as guilty here. And you know, and you guys today, you're you're um, the head of the <coughs> Iowa DNC resigned, but Ta- Perez is still got his jab
2: yeah exactly like, yeah
0: they, they real dropped the ball there and yeah and,
2: and i mean something because i mean there, there have been some things that have been pretty frustrating like the fact that you know perez came out with uh, in, in, on social media you know talking about you know in, what a disgrace it is and everything and then we immediately have to recanvas and blah blah blah, you know. And of course he didn't actually tell the IDP before he did that. And mm-hmm.
0: Yep, um, I saw that.
2: And and he and he also he also hadn't, you know, kinda of conveniently forgot to mention that the DNC had actually been running the show since the first night. So you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind it's kind of the par for the course with him. So, but, right. but yeah, it, 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 it's too bad that the, the, the price kind of had to take the fall for it. But yeah. I'm not I'm not terribly surprised that he that he resigned. Just because well, it's going to be you know I mean it, it, it's just one of those things where you know it, 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 everything re- went horribly wrong and you know I just kind of move forward. It's one of those things that just. You know, kind of starting with a fresh face of leadership might not be a terrible idea.
1: Speaking of moving forward, though, I mean, Mm -hmm. there just seems
2: to be a lot of talk about, you know, oh, this is the end of
1: caucusing. This Mm -hmm. is the end of Iowa. Um, You know, Iowa shouldn't be first anymore. You know, it was because there was already an argument about it being tenuous at best, it being the first state, Um, you know, What would you think about that? I mean, because, I mean, you're from Iowa, you know how important it is, politics like that is to people in Iowa, Um, what's your feeling on that?
2: Yeah, and I mean, you know, there there are a lot of people in Iowa that, you know, that that are really devoted to the caucus process just because, and I mean, you know, the caucus definitely kind of harkens back to, you know, a former time, you know, because it's, you know, kind of like a community of neighbors, you know, coming together and, you know, talking about, you know, who who they think, you know, is the best person to, you know, be president of the country. But I think that, I just think that, you know, in 2020 – the fact that we're still caucusing it it, to me to me i i I just think that you know it's, it's hard for people with, you know, lifestyles today to devote the time to it. You know, I mean, I, I just, and just, just with, with how messy this time has been and everything, I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if we were still caucusing in 24, you mm. know, to, to be honest, as far as the, as, as far as the first in, in nation status, you know, I mean, there, that, that's a really, you know, deep topic, topic that, you know, we could probably do a whole show on, but, um, <laughs> well, yeah. honestly, but, you know, it's like, I, you know I. Iowa's, was you know vastly white you know I, I totally get that it, uh, you know and uh, you know if, if if I was not first in the nation going forward you know I would I would understand it the you know the argument that I have in favor of the, in favor of Iowa you know being one of the first states is it's not our demographic so much as kind of what campaigning in Iowa allows us to do as far as vetting candidates because to to win in Iowa you really do have to go out and meet the voters you know everywhere you have to be able to establish you know some 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 sort of a rapport with actual one-on-one voters you know and and you know as 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 we saw by the fact that Steyer just threw millions and millions and millions of dollars into advertising and didn't do jack here you know it's like you can't just throw money at it and be able to win in Iowa you you know, it's like you really do have to have a good, um, a, a good campaign structure. You have to have a good ground game, you know. And, and it's not necessarily about, you know, because, I mean, a lot of people are hung up on, you know, who wins the Iowa caucus and stuff like that. But when, what I think the Iowa caucus and what you have to have within your campaign organization, um, what, what it does for the overall nomination process is I really think that it shows what candidates have a campaign organization that can win, and and i also think that it provides a wake up call for some campaigns that are you know have have parts of the their campaign structure that are subpar and you know i mean for 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 joe you know i, I think that you know I, I think that there's some messaging things that he's changed since iowa you know he's he seems to be you know definitely Coming out more and you know challenging Pete you know and different things, whereas he he, he hadn't been doing that before and and I just I don't I, I just think because of how the campaigns run here and, you know, kind of what you have to do to, to win or, you know, compete well here. I think, I know that I definitely think that it's kind of a unique thing that, that really does prepare for for down the road. You know, I, I've never been, you know, one of these, you know, one of the people that are like, you know, oh, you have to win Iowa or whatever. I, I think it's more that it really provides a good vetting opportunity up close uh, with the candidates and 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 it can really show some flaws in a campaign pain um that's not being run well it's
0: it's like a it's like a almost like a dry run for the rest of the country you can kind of make the adjustments if you do well enough yeah not so much like an end-all be-all you know because right right after iowa they they have new hampshire new hampshire went yesterday today's wednesday um I mean, this is going to release on a Friday, so today is Wednesday is when we're recording, just yep. for our listeners. Um, you know, we, we had New Hampshire last night, and the top three out of that were Bernie, Pete, and Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know where the delegates are right now. You said that there were some um, – they were – you know, I was not done yet. That's – you know, while I was still figuring that out, <laughs> they went, they went <laughs> – I say that in the most loving of terms. <laughs>
2: oh no, I mean it, it's it, it's 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 past ridiculous at this point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it
0: makes sense. I'd be upset too, especially if I, I put a lot of time into it. And I know you guys did, and everybody came yeah. out to Iowa. And you know, after after Beto dropped out, I really, I don't, I still don't have a candidate that I've completely um, got like thrown my hat in the ring with. Which is, gives me a bit of a unique position because I'm kind of curious about how you guys feel about um biden's campaign with the showing in iowa the showing in new hampshire and then him um going to south carolina before it even ended like where do you guys stand on that like i'm just out of of curiosity
2: I mean, yeah, well, well, I think, first of all, if there's a candidate that you really want to fail, um, let me know, and, and I will support them. Because so far, I've gone from Beto to Kamala, almost to Corey, then he dropped out. And then I went to Joe, and Joe has uh, started out of the gates with a fourth and fifth place, place finish. So, since I'm the jinx of the presidential election, <laughs> if there's something you really don't want, tell me, and, and, and I will put out a sign and buy a shirt, and then they'll tank. It'll be, you know, perfect, yeah. so.
0: Uh, Charlie's uh, now a Pete supporter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I think I think where Joe right now is at is very predictable. Um, you know, I, if, uh, six months ago, you would have asked me. I told I would have told you. Well, Sanders wins Iowa and Sanders wins New Hampshire because you know even the the Democrats who are in Iowa tend to be more progressive. You know, in larger numbers. And the same thing in New Hampshire. The Democrats that are there tend, tend to be more progressive. But, you know, his core and his base doesn't exist until, you know, the Carolina, Nevada, Super Tuesday. It's always been about that. So if I was Joe, I would think I would, you know, take the learning opportunities, like you said, uh, Charlie, and like adjust what you need to adjust. But I don't hit the panic button until South Carolina. If if he comes out of South Carolina with no delegates, then I start hitting the panic button. Yeah,
2: um. yeah. I think I th- I think that where, the, where I'm at with it is mm-hmm. you know I mean like 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 Ryan was saying I mean you know I mm-hmm. everybody knew that that Bernie was going to be strong yeah. in in Iowa and New Hampshire and and the thing about it is that um, my perspective on on Bernie, I mean Bernie is he has a, he, he has a ceiling, I think and. You know he he has super strong supporters that are going to be you know they're going to stick with him the whole time. But he you know he twenty five to thirty percent is kind of where he's at. What, well, the thing about it is the rest of the you know the moderates and you know the, the other candidates are so split up that right now that you know twenty five to thirty percent is getting him wins. But you know as depending on how things kind of flush out on Super Tuesday, you, you know and and I I have no doubt that there will be at least a couple of people um, drop. After the results of Super Tuesday, so once that happens, I fully expect there to us to be down to maybe one or two more, one or two kind of in the moderate camp, and what what that's going to do is that's going to kind of coalesce the, the the more moderate and and you know the. the I will say, the whole label thing just kind of mystifies me, because if you look at Joe's record, he's actually been pretty progressive over time, but since, yeah. since, since, since it's 2020 and everybody wants a label. Um, everybody you know, has to have a label. We'll go with that, but I, you know, just to kind of, you know, sum a little bit, I just... You know, I, when, when people drop out, the moderates are going to kind of come together. And then that, you know, that kind of 25 to 30 percent that Bernie is able to see is not going to be I, I don't think is going to be competitive towards the end. And I, I, I think it's I think it's important for Joe to win South Carolina. I think it's important for Joe to win South Carolina big. Um, I think I think that if he if he wins but kind of ekes out a win with how some of the polling um, has been looking really strong for him of late I I I, I think that that could show some, some signs of, of of some additional issues in the campaign so but I I I definitely think that he can win but I think that it's important for him to win fairly big there too
0: yeah definitely he's got he's definitely gonna have to come out with a uh, a big showing what's been the most surprise with the two primaries what do you guys think have been the uh, most surprising what is like you just didn't expect it to happen
2: I I think that um, I think that Warren's performance um, is, is particularly underwhelming because um, she actually had she actually had a pretty strong campaign organization here. She had a pretty strong ground mm-hmm. ground game. I know that um, when the, when I was out canvassing for Joe, you know, the, the several weekends um, le- leading up to the to the caucus, the the only campaign that I was kind of crisscrossing with was Warren, and you know, the, the fact that she performed, you know. M- Pretty poorly here, and you know, com- compared to how our organization was, and, and how she did in in the Northeast, you know, yesterday, I I, I think that that was probably the more surprising. I, I'm not I'm not terribly surprised that you know that Bernie and Pete finished where they did, um, but I I definitely think that um, everybody a lot of people are focusing attention on you know how Joe's underperforming and stuff. It's like we know like, we, we knew that Joe wasn't going to do well. I mean, he 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 definitely lived up to expectations and did not do well, but. Um, um, but I think that Warren underperformed for me. Yeah,
1: and I would obviously probably say Warren as well. I think if I were to take the twenty thousand foot uh, view, I would say that Yang did as good as he did and lasted as long as he did. You know, I mean mm-hmm. that was really yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah, I mean he he was talking about an important issue that you know a lot of people aren't talking about. Um, you know, he brought up an important part of universal basic income, which is a you know, a relatively progressive idea that just hasn't been mainstream before. Um, you know, he brought a lot of new people into the political process—people uh, who normally wouldn't participate in the process. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, usually these fringe candidates they flame out; they don't really make it to seven debate stages and surpass, you know, sitting senators and you know, congressmen and other heads of state. And yet, he managed to do it. So, you know, good for him, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. Yang surprise.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, and I was sad to see Yang go. I'm not going to lie. I thought he brought something kind of extra. Um, I I was surprised by Klobuchar just because you hadn't really heard much about her. And then Iowa happens and, like, everybody's like, holy shit, she's still here. And then she has a good showing at the debate and then she did well in, in mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Um, I'm not sure how much sustainability it, it, that there is to it, but, you know, Right now, if I, I think if I was going to volunteer for anybody, it, it, it might be Klobuchar. Um, honestly, um, speaking, um, before Beto came in, I was seriously looking at at her campaign. Like I I was impressed with some of the stuff I saw, and you know I think she's 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 decently strong. Um, but uh, you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to run somebody. We're gonna have to, and the, everybody's vote blue. No matter who, we've got to beat Trump, and that's that's like the key here because they are fucking shit up like every single day. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's mind-boggling. So since we've been, we had our last show. Impeach the impeachment has ended. And it ended exactly like we thought it would. Um, I thought they would.
1: I, I thought they would have uh, called witnesses. I honestly thought we might have gotten witnesses out of this. So I was a little surprised we didn't get witnesses. <laughs> I just I,
0: I, I, I just I know they don't have a bottom anymore. like there is no bottom. like mm-hmm. they plowed right on fucking through the grimy shit and just kept going. But I will say um, the
1: one interesting thing about the whole impeachment is that the the tw- the Repu- the leader of the Republican Party in 2012 stood up there and voted to remove Donald Trump. You know that says that's a pretty big symbolic gesture right there. It says a lo- it says a lot of what you need to know about the current state of the Republican Party, right there is that he you know not not six years ago or I guess eight years ago he was the leader of the Republican Party, and and, and he's going
0: to get crucified for it. Oh yeah,
1: now he's going to get kicked out of the party.
0: Yeah, and and you know. The way I feel about it, like, he he did his job. And, you know, I we DeMarcus has been on the show, and he made a pretty good point about all this. Like, yeah, it shouldn't be that way, though. Like, we shouldn't be looking for, like, the one guy. It should be all of them. Like, Susan Collins came out and said, well, we just hope he learns his lesson. Well, he fucking didn't, because now we have...
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he did not. He's like, you know what? Since we're going off the cliff, I'm going to step on the pedal now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's take this motherfucker to the sun. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Let's, gonna, let's burn it all down. If we're, if
2: we're, if we're going to go down, we're going down Thelma and Louise style. You know, it's like. <laughs>
0: right in the goddamn bomb. Yeah. Like this dude, he, he fired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Venman and his brother who had nothing to do with it. Right? You know, like he's he he made the play to start taking picking off his political enemies. He started with Romney, went through all of them. and then the Roger Stone came out thing came up. And this is the most mind boggling shit I've ever like I've been listening to to lawyers and shit talk about this, and they really can't because it blows their minds too. like I don't know how much you got do you, have you guys paid attention to this at all?
2: Um, I I, I I I've seen seen more and more on it today. I mean, honestly, at this point, there's not a lot that surprises me. But yeah, but, but yeah, it's just a, it should, there's just a pervasive um, lack of respect for the rule of law. Yeah, I'll you know? oh, expect a and, pardon from Manafort pretty soon here.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. They're they're all coming. And and the the thing, and just to catch our listeners up, Rod, for those of you who don't know who roger stone is he's a dildo dressed like a batman villain um <laughs> seriously i cannot um he's got a tattoo of nixon get the fuck out of here um he lied to the government he was doing stuff with wikileaks he would put up a an instagram post with a crosshairs next to the judge's head that was leading his case and so all this stuff is going on, and the prosecutors go and they they ask for six to nine years for or seven to nine years for a sentence. You know it's all well and good, and the next day comes up. and the uh, Donald Trump tweets at like one o'clock that it's unfair and ridiculous. And by like two or three o'clock, the um, DOJ was saying that that those were not right that they were gonna they were gonna change what they're doing because Bill Barr got involved and all of the prosecutors quit and everything has you know, all hell is broken loose like he's gonna get fucking impeached again and like what what where is the fucking bottom with the republicans like seriously republicans who, if i doubt any of you listen to this show but seriously what the fuck <laughs> like i grew up with some of you guys and you I mean you you used to be decent people like what does his asshole taste like that like is it that good <laughs> that that you would sell out your entire goddamn country
2: yeah, and, and, and I mean something. Something that I find particularly amusing is the is how how surprised Collins and Murkowski are that that, that he would do something like this. You know, that Bill Bar, you know, that Trump and Bill Barr would, you know, try to do something about the sentence and everything. It's like you just freaking gave the guy. Green light. What the hell did you think that he was going to do? It's like, everything about his presidency has been Mm -hmm. pushing to see what he can get away with. And it's like, he did shit that if, you know, Obama or Clinton or anybody would have done, they would have been not just impeached, I mean, they would have been like, easily convicted and gone. And it's like, you guys just said that was okay. You know, you had, you have an argument on record from Dershowitz saying that if the president thinks it's in the public interest, you know, for him, then it's not impeachable. I mean, that's, that's an on record argument by those guys. So it's like, you can't come back now and be like, oh, I'm very distressed by this. It's like, you guys, you guys created the freaking monster. You can't come back now and be like, oh, I'm very concerned. It's like, yeah, you, you know, your arguments mean nothing now.
0: The, the genie's already out of the bottle and it's like it's it, it, it's like my son right my son is one we all know bodie bodie the bed uh, bodie the Beto baby um mm-hmm. who has a figurine that looks exactly like Beto. by the way it's the funniest thing um anyway he will get in trouble for doing something right and then i'll say something to him about it but you know like he's only one so i have to be like don't do that that's not good and then he goes and fucking does it again because he's a baby it is literally the same thing mm-hmm. they're dealing with an infant but this infant has nuclear codes yeah and like the the there's a bipartisan move today with uh, for um the, him not to be able to do shit with iran and he's ranting and raving on twitter about that somebody needs to take that man's phone or, like, tie up his colon, so because, like, yeah. he, he's got to be, like, th- that's got to be, give him, give him, what are those bags called? Like, just keep him out of the bathroom, because that's probably where he's doing most of this insane cheating. <laughs> like, I don't understand.
2: Like, keep an eye on him. Yeah, well, well, we, we, we've heard that at least for a couple hours a day. It's when he's getting that. Really well blended, you know. Fake tan applied. I mean, he's doing his <laughs> tweeting. So, um, but whatever but yeah, monster
0: did, did the <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire picture is fuck. I shout out to you.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, I I think it, it, and. I, I I honestly don't don't know where it will stop because it, you know not to go off on too much of a tangent, but you know it's Please like do. I have a I have a degree in history, you know I you know am also I guess what you'd call a history buff, you know or whatever. But if you look at the rise of totalitarianism after World War One,
0: oh like, you're speaking my
2: language. It's like he it, it's like he's do, doing the fucking playbook, guys. He's <laughs> like Hitler. It, inform- well, I mean, Mussolini, <laughs> Hitler, you know, Franco, you know, Stalin. It's like all you know. It's like it may be right or left, you know, depending on who it is. It's still totalitarianism. It's information control. It's control of the media. It's anti-intellectualism. You know, it's revenge against your enemies you know it, i mean like literally every single thing that that all of those guys did on their rise to power i mean it, it's freaking textbook what's happening right now and we're just like fuck it what, let's do it man Woo trump you know it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what the take
0: the hell? shit to the house yeah. right. like, and, and he's like he's, he's like if you took mussolini and hitler and mixed them you know he's the the shitty shitty leader but with the crazy ideas that hitler had mm-hmm. I, it's which i'm so i'm actually glad that you brought that up. i'm also a historian my my background i have a master's in uh european history where i studied specifically the english reformation and the socio-economic and political lives of jews in the third reich so i i've studied all that stuff too mm-hmm. yep. and um i was I i actually had was going to talk about you know indoctrination a little bit like you know how how kind of how like they're brainwashing almost children. They're like because Kid, kids, kids can't tell you why they like Trump, but their parents like Trump, and Trump is awesome. And there's this whole cult of personality of it about, around it, and that uh, was kind of circulating in my head as I went to the movies the other week. Um, do you guys know what Jojo Rabbit is?
1: No, nope.
0: Jojo Rabbit is a. Movie about a little boy who is in the Hitler Youth in the last days of the Third Reich, in the last days of Berlin in the Third Reich, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it starts with him getting ready to go to a Hitler Youth camp, and just like the blind, like, uh, like he's a kid who's like he loves Hitler, like that's that's his thing. He loves Hitler so much that his imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but Adolf Hitler, if he was ten, uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. as
0: an adult, and this this whole film is about this kid who then has to come to terms with the fact that his mom is hiding a Jew in the walls. And I bring this up, and I was going to talk about the Oscars as a whole, but I actually kind of want st- to specifically stick with Jojo Rabbit. Um, it won, it did win best um, adapted screenplay. The movie's wonderful. Charlie is a is a historian, and given what we're talking about, you should absolutely see it because it is the most historically accurate satire. I have ever seen like down to the medals that they wore and stuff. But it was a good diatribe about what's happening in in this country today is this blind, you know, these kids in the country that have these diehard Trump supporter parents or white supremacist parents that are putting this shit in their, their kids' heads. Like that's where they're getting it from. So when they see something different, and they see they, they see those people and they can't make the connection of like why I don't understand why is this bad what or why are these people wrong you know they're, mm-hmm. they we're, we're now starting to get rid of that i mean like it, it's blind fanaticism
1: Well, absolutely well it's been that way for a while i mean the you know they they the, the republicans have always been very militant about their um, about their people, who they—I mean, shit. Reagan was Reagan was a cult of personality. Uh, if you remember back, I don't know if you're old enough yeah. to really remember how much you remember about Reagan, but
0: I was you know, born in 1985. Well, Maybe the last day. I
1: mean, th- this guy <laughs> got caught selling drugs to Iranians in order to fund, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in order to fund paramilitary guys, and just you know, scandals like that would just roll off of him left and right. It—it's unfortunately nothing new. Um I I'd, I'd like to say that this is a unique time in American politics but I mean you know history It's more
0: dangerous.
1: It's unfortunately it's a more uh, dangerous you know history time. though it's you know we've we've seen people like this before in American history it's usually never turned out good for us. Um so you know No it doesn't. <laughs> you know someone usually ends up screwed and there's a revolution and, and it it just never ends up working out good for Trump in the end so you know
0: I mean, eventually, it's gonna, it's all gonna oh, yeah. come ca- uh, crashing down. And and it's funny that you bring up republic, uh, republicanism, and that kind of idea mm-hmm. because that's, I think that's why I connected with this so, this movie so much. Other than like that's what I specifically studied. So like, I'm me, my wife, and our friend, who are there, are all historians. We're all dying laughing at a lot of the stuff that's going on. Like, there's a scene where they're all just saying "Hail Hitler" because in Germany, you had to if somebody said "Hail Hitler," it was illegal to not say it back. And like laughing at things like the only people left in Berlin to defend the city were small children and old people, <laughs> because that's actually what happened. Sorry, guys, I've been battling a cold and I choked myself getting so fired up about this movie and I'm out of I'm out of water. But I kind of connected with that because I grew up in a Republican household. Like, I voted Republican because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Like, it's a real thing. Like, this kind of brainwashing, while, yes, this movie is satire and it's funny in, in the sense that, you know, this it's it's a real thing and, and, and it should be taken seriously. Like, it got, I mean, people were kind of criticizing it because, you know, he has a imaginary friend that's Hitler and it kind of makes the Third Reich funny. But that's the fucking point.
2: Yeah. Yeah that, that's why that's why it's called satire.
0: <laughs> it's why it's called satire <laughs> yeah. especially with with the the times now some a movie like that's it's pretty important and like I said I would suggest all of you fucking go watch that movie it's wonderful it was my favorite one from the I watch all the Oscar best picture movies that are the ones that are nominated. Uh. Jojo Rabbit was was the uh by far had had uh, in a way, the best film. And I really like Parasite. Parasite ended up winning best picture but I really like Jojo Rabbit. Um, so while Ryan was perusing Texas a few <laughs> weeks ago, he actually did a couple of interviews for um, for us, and we're going to go ahead and Ryan introduce yeah, yeah, your, well, your well, interviews. Well, well,
1: there was um, some leftover stuff when we were out doing with the Powered by People for Eliz Merkowitz. Um, you know the the Beto. Um, the, the events became you know, central rallying points. You know, people from all over Texas, politicians from all over Texas, all over the country, really kind of focused their efforts on it. Um, you know, it's, got to, it's got to see a lot of big names in uh, uh, Texas politics came out there, as well as a couple of local ple- people. And I managed to snag two really interesting interviews. Um, first, first off, we'll have uh, Jessica Post. She is the president of the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee. Uh, The DLCC, if you aren't familiar, they are the wing of the – they are the Democratic Party's uh, organization in order to go and win state houses and state legislative houses. So Charlie probably is familiar with the DLCC and who they are. So I got to – I got an interview with their president, and we kind of talked a little bit about Eliz and everything else that's going on with her. And we also, while I was out there, uh, talked to Travis Bolt, who uh, we had Eliz on uh, two episodes ago to talk about her candidacy for the Texas State House. And so Travis Bolt is a neighboring county right there. Uh, he is running. He's, he's unopposed in the primary, so he's straight to the Democrat, straight to the general election campaign. Um, and Texas House District 29 representative, Texas House Representative District 29. Um, Eliz, I think, was a 20-point Republican district. His is only a five-point Republican district, and it's one that Beto actually carried. So it is a um, it is definitely a battleground and one we can pick up. And so we got a chance to interview him. So um, why don't we go ahead and bring him on? I have a very special guest. So why don't you let you introduce yourself and.
3: Hi, I'm Jessica Poston, the president of the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee. Our role in the party is to build Democratic power in state legislatures mm-hmm. and flip state legislatures red to blue.
1: So you're a national committee, right? mm-hmm. and yes. you decided to come down here. What decided to bring down here and get involved in this race?
3: Well, so the Texas House is one of our top mm-hmm. targets in the country to flip. We only need to flip nine seats red to blue to flip the Texas House, and Beto won all of them. So Beto really designed a path for us to win the Texas House. There's a special election. This is a there was a vacancy, a Republican retirement, and Dr. Eliz Markowitz is an incredible candidate. We added her to our Spotlight Races page, and we're doing everything we can. Uh, We've made some significant contributions to um, Eliz's campaign and also the Texas House Democratic Campaign Committee, who's charged with flipping the Texas House. Sure. So we always work in partnership with people in the state to figure out how we can be supplemental with resources and door knocking. So I
1: heard you mention just a second ago that uh, Texas is now on the map for you. Officially. That's right. So yeah. Something we've been pushing for a lot here. Uh, yes. What what kind of fi- what was the final emphasis that they- all right, Texas is a battleground. I, what, what was the tipping point, you think?
3: Well, I think a few things. One, we, we saw this path defined by Beto's wins. And, okay. and knowing that there was a clear path to flip the state house, that uh, someone had run so strong statewide, and we were able to see that was a big part of mm-hmm. it. Uh, the other thing is, with great candidates like Eliz, and I, I know there's a lot of primaries still resolving, mm-hmm. uh, we, we realized that there was a really good slate of candidates that could flip the Texas house. And we also, you know, the DLCC will raise and spend fifty million dollars this election cycle, mm-hmm. and so we also realized that we had the resources to finally compete in Texas, and that was a, b- a big piece of the puzzle. Sure. So, what,
1: uh, so like when you get involved with Eliz or another, thing, what kind of resources yeah. do you are you able to bring, and what what do you do to help yeah. the campaign out? That's a great.
3: That's a great question. I mean, uh-huh. the first thing is is financial resources. Okay. Um, we've com- we've. Um, We've committed and spent more than $135,000 here in Texas with the HDCC and in this specific race. Uh, In addition to that, um, we have sent a staff member down to volunteer full-time and knock doors for ELIS. We've done a lot to highlight the race nationally. Uh, We've talked to a lot of our partner organizations about the viability of this Mm -hmm. race, how we win it, um, and we've really done everything we can to amplify our message. We also put it on our Spotlight Races page, and that's a a place where we can raise low grassroots dollars Mm -hmm into her, direct, her into okay. her campaign directly. And I also
1: heard you mention you work with partner organizations. <laughs> Is Powered by People one of those partner organizations? Yeah. Okay.
3: We've been working yeah. really closely with Beto. Beto and I have been on the uh, phone talking about this race quite a bit. Okay. I know he's fired up, so we're really excited to partner with Powered <laughs> by People in their effort to float the Texas State House. We we always want to make sure that if there are folks that are doing work on the ground, that we're being complimentary, mm-hmm. that we're funding organizations that are in the state already. Support
1: what's there, not try and <laughs> build new every
3: exactly. time. Exactly. Right? Yeah, like we never want to parachute in from Washington D.C. and say here's the way you have do well it. That doesn't play well in Texas. It I'm doesn't play <laughs> It doesn't play well anywhere, but specifically not in Texas, right? So so that's our model. So we always um, want to make sure candidates feel empowered to run on local messages. Mm-hmm. You heard Eliz earlier talking about stars testing. And that's really been our model is to tell state legislative candidates, listen to your constituents. You know what's going on in your community. Those are the messages that you should be using. And then we'll come in with um, some scalable campaign resources be it digital data, uh, or um, graphic design, or other things that we can do to help. Um, So maybe those are costs that the campaign doesn't have to incur, uh, or the House Democratic Caucus, as it were.
1: So uh, anything else you'd like to share about what you're doing and yeah. uh, what other states are you targeting and what are the other big races across the the country?
3: Yeah, so uh, this is this is the hottest race right now in the country. Oh, it, it? Yeah, we have EDS out here
1: and we got cameras showing up. Exactly, so <laughs> January
3: 28th special for your huh? listeners in Texas. Early voting starts on Monday. Uh, I'll be out door knocking myself today. I'm really excited. Right. You heard it earlier I brought my uh, pink Wendy Davis yeah. inspired <laughs> tennis shoes to do, do door knocking. And I think we have other great targets across the country redistricting is on the line really 20 years of power is on the line this is the first time we've had the pre-redistricting election on a presidential year in mm-hmm. 20 years and so that gives us a, a huge drive to flip state legislatures texas is at the top of our list the pennsylvania state house and senate uh, the chamber of the minnesota state senate and uh, we're also looking at states like georgia and florida as we expand our list in addition to that, the Michigan State House is at the top of our list. So a lot of those states have a huge impact on uh, both congressional and legislative redistricting. And if people
1: wanted to get involved with uh, oh. your report, how would they do it? Especially for yeah. people not in Texas? Uh, oh, for sure. It?
3: We'd love for them to check out dlcc.org. Mm-hmm. There's slates of candidates, including ELIS, that they can contribute directly to. Um, they could follow us on Twitter at DLCC or on Instagram at DLCC also, uh, or get involved with our Facebook page. But we'd love to talk to them about the great races and highlight folks like ELIS that are running across the country awesome. well
1: thank you very much for talking with yeah. me yeah i really appreciate
3: thanks it thank you so you much We really appreciate you. it thank you awesome. this is great thanks for being out here and covering it. thanks for your podcast too. yes yes yeah that's awesome. awesome
0: and now we're going to bring on travis bolt so we have a
1: very special guest here uh, travis bolt district house district 29 uh, candidate uh, you're running to flip another seat in texas so uh, welcome to the show travis thanks travis. so much for having me so uh yeah tell me a little bit about yourself
4: uh, yeah. So my background's in healthcare. I run a home care agency, which helps support disabled seniors. Okay. Uh, we, my family's been running that for 16 years, and what it's taught me is that our healthcare system is support is set up to support individuals who have a lot of disposable income. Okay. And so that's where my business fits. It's helping to uh, support seniors who can pay thousands of dollars a month to live in their own home and not have to engage the system that we've set up as a state. Uh, nine out of ten. Phone calls that come into my agency, I'm not able to service. I'm able. Oh, wow. I have to pitch downstream to Medicare, Medicaid. I'm saying, I'm sorry, these are out of your cost range. Here are your options. Right. And your so options
1: options that they have.
4: really suck. Uh, We've got dead last rated nursing care in Texas, 51 out of 51 behind 49 states and the District of Columbia. We have Medicaid that does not cover 5 million Texans that needs to cover. And we've got the money to fix these problems sitting on the state legislature's desk that's not being taken specifically for political reasons. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not a lack of solutions. It's not a lack of funds. We're already being taxed for all of this money, and we're just piping it out of state to uh, states that do want to take care of mm-hmm. uh, of their their people. So
1: obviously you're talking about closing the Medicare gap by, uh, yeah. and uh, joining the Obamacare uh, the ACA. Yeah, taking program. the
4: money that would be necessary, coming down from the ACA mm-hmm. in order to expand Medicaid, uh, not only will that cover the 5 million Texans who don't have any form mm-hmm. of health insurance, but it expands the Medicaid programs to be robust enough uh, to actually provide quality care. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, the personal care services that would cover an agency like mine mm-hmm. um, pay rock bottom rates. Just, I so, feel like, what
1: kind of services are we talking about here? This is a
4: personal attendant who comes out, helps mom in and out of the shower, okay. cooks her a meal, yeah. helps her keep house. Those and it, sorts of yeah, things. Yeah,
1: because I, I know. I mean, that's always a big thing. Uh, you know, my parents had to take my grandmother in for a while. But yeah, you know, it's 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 a challenge for people, I and mean, these are the kinds of things that allow people to have a normal life and still mm-hmm. contribute without you know being overly burdened by, you know, healthcare like
4: that. Well, and that's literally in the Medicare and Medicaid statutes, Mm -hmm. is what, what do they expect you to do? They expect you to move in with a family member and have your son or daughter, not everybody has a son or daughter, not everybody has a son or daughter who's nearby or willing to change diapers. So, um... Yeah, we've got this huge burden that's put down onto individual families. Mm -hmm. Seventy percent of my patients have Alzheimer's disease, and Alzheimer's is a growing concern here in Texas. It's going to be a trillion-dollar problem Mm -hmm. before the year 2040. Uh, And so putting the social structures in place that are necessary to care for these patients as well as uh, the disease prevention and research are, are very necessary things that are supposed to be on the state's platter. However, we don't have a legislature that's interested mm-hmm. in solving these problems and so that's a lot of why. And
1: so what made you decide to step up and that you wanted to actually be involved in the change?
4: Uh, well, so I got involved in 2016 mm-hmm. like a lot of folks once I saw that uh, sitting on the sidelines was yeah. not yielding <laughs> the results that we needed. Um, so I actually got involved through the Better campaign. I was <laughs> was the uh, Grassroots Headquarters chair down in the Pearland area, okay. and so that got me involved with a lot of the volunteers, the Democrats clubs, the, the neighbors that were willing to go out and put this work in. Um, this district was actually uncontested in 2018. We had the Democrat pull his name from the, the ticket at the last minute. Um, so the Beto campaign really was the district-wide campaign to put Democrats in office. Um, so really, we just kind of kept with that momentum. And this was the natural outgrowth of that. Sure, was yeah, the yeah. same people who are out there helping me knock on doors today are the people that were with me um, volunteering for Beto in 2018, volunteering for Circle Kearney in, 20, uh, in 2018. They're
1: out here um, today with Elis. Today, and yeah. a lot
4: of these faces are really familiar mm-hmm. faces. Yeah. So um, Yeah, I
1: keep telling people that because we have some listeners from out of state, and I don't think that they necessarily realize that. You know, what Beto accomplished as far as doing that, running those kinds of campaigns and organizations in places that never existed before. Because I'm down in Galveston, mm-hmm. and you know, most of my, or just like you, uh, you know, Republicans running unopposed to the ticket, and there's not just a lot of people organizing except for Beto, who came out and actually started pushing some of
4: them. Yeah, so, well, and this has been something it, that's been happening over the course of my lifetime, as Democrats before 2016, 2018, stayed in the shadows. We kept our head down. We didn't talk about it. We kind of grumbled underneath our breath and maybe donated to the national politicians or or, or something like that. But we really didn't have representation here in the state, and we really didn't have a hope of representation here in the state. That's changing. And now, in 2020, we have... Uh, Candidates across the slate, as far down as county commissioner and justice of the peace, who are willing to get out there, beat their chest, say, I am a proud Democrat, and I want you to come out and volunteer your time and donate to my races and and get your friends and family and neighbors to come up and vote. Uh, And these are important steps that are necessary to take, is making sure that people... People, when we knock on doors, a lot of people say, "I've never had a Democrat come and knock on my door before." Mm-hmm. You know, it was always just the Republicans walking into office and being on a phone. You put-ups. might get a
1: postcard if you're lucky. You sure, yeah. but
4: now we're actually out here, and we're your neighbors. We're we're the people down the street, the people who run the shops around the corner, and. You know we're not these big scary monsters no. that Republicans have made us out to be for the past however many years, sure. and that's really what this work is: is just putting a face on the campaign at a local level mm-hmm. uh, to let people know that hey, we have these values and these are what we're willing to stand by. So let's
1: talk a little bit about your campaign, and your race. Sure. Uh, you're running for Dallas District 29. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe the district for people who don't know what it is. Sure. And like, what what's the makeup of the district? So
4: uh, District 29 encompasses the northern chunk of Brazoria County. Okay. Its an entire Included within Brazoria County, it's 95% included within districts, uh, congressional district 22. Okay. The major population center is Pearland, which is going to make up about 80% of the population in the district. Alvin and Manville across mm-hmm. Highway 6 are also. So, so for
1: people who aren't familiar, that's kind of like the southwest part from Houston out, uh, yeah, outside it's, of It's, Houston, it's actually outside. like
4: due south, six o'clock on the clock, okay. if you're looking so at almost it. Almost straight south, then, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a growing suburb like Katy, like uh, Sugarland. We've seen a lot. A lot of folks, uh, particularly middle-class minority families, moved into this district mm-hmm. over the past several cycles. This is actually the first cycle where this district will be majority-minority. Okay. Uh, and so the demographic shift is, is looking very favorable for a Democratic candidate. Um, In 2018, uh, we, again, didn't field a Democratic candidate, but when you look at the top of the race tickets, when you look at the Beto Cruz race, Uh this was within four and a half points of turning the entire district for Beto. Pearland, that major That's without
1: somebody organizing locally. That's without
4: somebody organizing locally. We had, uh, again, the the District 22 race was as close to like a local campaign, Mm -hmm. but uh, only 20% of CD22 is in Brazoria County. So, yeah, so that was without having these local boots-on-the-ground campaigns. And Pearland, that major population center, did vote for Beto, 5248. So uh, the demographics are shifting in our our direction. Um, The organizing is there, which, again, we basically had to create from the ground up in 2018. We don't have to do that now. We know what we're doing. We've got the software. We've got the infrastructure. We've got the training. um, And this is... A district where the incumbent is not used to fighting for his seat. He's one of these Republicans that's willing to or, or used to just walking into sure, office.
1: Sure.
4: He doesn't have to campaign. He doesn't have to block walk, and he shows
1: up with a letter next to a name yep. and people uh, for him. And yeah,
4: so he's he's not really engaged on the grassroots level, okay. um, and we are. So that's really where we've got uh, the ability to swing this. Uh, yeah, he's got a bunch of corporate money stacked up against me, but he doesn't have the volunteer power, and he doesn't have the ability to go out there and knock on the fifty thousand doors that we're going to need to knock right. on in order to actually get right. this thing done.
1: So uh, you got a lot of doors to knock on. You got a lot of uh, you know. Even though it's a swinging state or a swinging district, it's still going to be an uphill battle. Oh, and absolutely. Texas. Uh, so uh, how can people get involved with your campaign, and how can people uh, you so, know, come out and support you?
4: Yeah, so the first step would be to go check me out Check out on my website. I'm at travis4tx.com, travis and that's the handle on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. also. Um, we host weekly block walks Saturday mornings. We host phone banks and bag stuffing uh, initiatives Friday nights. Uh, We're heavily uh, involved with the Young Democrats of Brazoria County, who are really the workhorses down here in in our neck of the woods. Um, And so, yeah, so if those are things that are interesting, if you all are local, uh, we can pipe in phone bankers from really anywhere across the country. Uh, And then, again, we are basing this off of individual donations. Uh, My opponent's got the corporate money, but... Dollars don't vote, people right. do. And right. so uh, a $10 donation means more than a $10,000 donation, in well, my opinion.
1: Or, or you know, a one a one shift means a lot of, of yeah. walking and a lot, too. So. Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on. I really no, appreciate you uh, talking with you. for a minute. Absolutely. Thanks for chasing thank me down. Have a good one. Take
0: care. All right, Ryan. Thank you for doing both of those interviews and uh, honestly I'm gonna I'm gonna shout you out I, I do this quite often Ryan has put in a fuck ton of lead work, uh, <laughs> leg legwork and he's got a had a, just an absolute ton of shit going on um, recently and you know he's still kind of st- stayed in the game here with me so uh, I, I, pr- I appreciate it um, you know it, you, you you very much become the heartbeat of the show man. I, I I appreciate Uh-oh. that you 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 keep us going a lot of the time. So <laughs> big shout out to you. Well, well and,
2: um, and and a, a very impressive thing that some people may not know about Ryan is that his recording equipment was trampled by Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> by <the State laughs> <Pride>. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. I got I got, I got personally that. stepped on
1: by her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have so many jokes, (laughs) so many jokes. I can't, I can't, (laughs) don't. Weird 20. things
2: happen during the Iowa caucuses. Yes. That's, yes. That's yeah, man. All, all that all <laughs> I,
0: I, next go round, I'm coming. Like, I, next go round, I sh- I want to be able to travel and do shit. Like, I, I want to keep this going until 2024. <laughs> until it's just literally <laughs> us well, all sitting but here see, talking to each other.
1: 2024, then it's a re-election campaign. You don't really have the same hoopla. It's, it's just different.
0: Thanks for killing the uh, atmosphere. <laughs> I hopes. I guess I got to wait eight years. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, Eight years. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, we still have a bunch of stuff that get, that needs to be done. There's still a primary going on. So if you don't have a candidate, you know, get out and v- register people to vote. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. I'm looking to drive um, people who can't get to the – drive themselves to the voting stations. I want to do that. So that's something I'm looking into. Um, donate, donate to down ballot candidates. There's people running all over the country. Um, most importantly, the Democrats running for Senate, fuck every member of the, uh, of the Senate that, that has an R next to their name. You sold out our country. Fuck all of you. Um, I'm going to make it my personal mission to help out all of these, uh, candidates, um, to, you know, hopefully take your seats because you show a dereliction in duty and are unfit. Um, so, with that being said, um, guys, keep on volunteering, keep on donating, get out and you know let your voices be uh, heard, and uh, let's keep on looking ahead to Beto days. <laughs>